what is it about yourself that terrifies you so much that like you don't even want to talk about it? You might not even know what it is. AOA, that's a triple play. New episodes of Kim Way. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with the boy Isaiah. Ohio. And Gavin. Iritakimasu. And today we're here talking Tower of God once again, this time episodes 260 to 269, mm. uh, season two, that is, of course. And we have questions by some of the lovely folks in our Discord, and we're going to answer them today. So make sure if you guys want to hop in on the fun that you are posting your questions in TOG questions in our Discord channel. Link is in the description down below. After our live streams, we conduct the question for for one hour, uh, and then we will compile a list of the seven most upvoted questions, and we will answer them. And then later in the week, you could expect Isaiah and I to clean up some of the other questions that didn't make the top seven, but that had a good amount of upvotes, were interesting, or we just want other people to be able to have an active participation yeah. within this whole Clean shindig. shit up. Yes, that we got going on. Anyway, so that's what we're going to do today. If you guys like the content, make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell, sharing with your friends, and commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of our discussion today, our opinions, our theories, etc.? How was your day going? How did you enjoy our live stream, the blog post videos, everything? Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. And speaking of which, obviously go check out the blog post discussion that we posted um, and also check out our live stream if you didn't already as well. We're finally getting through this whole Webtoon debacle yes. and uh, we're coming out stronger Sunny skies. On, yes, on the other side of it. So yeah, uh, moving right into it. So question one, Gavin, if you want to take it away. All right, now here we go. Number one is by uh, Irene Sharda. Listening to Gustang's one-sided conversation and remembering that Gustang is pretty selective in who he gives respect to or even speaks directly to, finding most of the citizens of the tower being below him. Who do you think he was talking to? Who is Rachel the pawn of? Wow. Okay, so that is so hard because, I mean, uh, it, it's weird because we... Uh, with no evidence based off of this conclusion, I, I weirdly would not want it, but I could see maybe like um like a Han Sung, and really just no evidence based off of it, only that we've been seeing him recently, <laughs> and like maybe that's like a connection of some relative terms, but like, but based off based off of previous like decisions, <laughs> no, I mean based off of like previous decisions made by Gustang, like in the workshop bar, it seems like he is maybe like he's going. He, I don't know. I can see like weird ties with Fug in a sense, assuming like Han Sung is even a part of Fug, which I'm assuming he is also. But like, weirdly enough, he is. I what? Yeah, Han he Sung's, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's more like whatever sect of Fug. Oh, okay, it is, you enough, know, depending good and yeah, bad. Yeah. But um, you know, I feel like Gustang might definitely has ties or connections with higher ups in Fug in a sort, and maybe it's like on like Han Sung's term. And I this kind of goes into where who is Rachel a pawn of? I do think Rachel is a pawn of uh, of Fug. And I also feel that, like, they're they're playing this weird, like, game of Catch-22 where it's, like, they're almost playing themselves but for a benefit, in a sense, where it's, like, they're they're using... Fug is using Rachel because they know the relationship with Bam and, like, forcing that, like, relationship to get, like, to get Bam up the tower. And it's, like, if they're playing on it in those, like, different relationships. It's weird. I don't know. I just feel like Gustang in some way, shape, or form is talking to somebody up in Fug, any higher up. Maybe he's working with some Hansung uh, booty. Who knows? But, um, 
Yeah, that's who I think Rachel is a pawn of and who Gustang was maybe talking to. And I feel like that would be interesting if he was. I don't know. I miss Hansong. And, yeah. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, go um, I don't think it's specifically Hansong, but I actually do think that it is, like, an elder-level person of Fug, mm-hmm. uh, like one of the OG OGs. Um, because, again, like the question states, uh, Gustang is not, like, you know, just running around talking to any old mm-hmm. nigga. Like, you got to be, you know at least at his level before he even considers giving you respect, let alone mm-hmm. directly speaking to you, which means this per- whoever this person is has to be able to like molly wop just about anybody. Right. Um, and then tie that in with like, who is, is this person using Rachel as a pawn? Um, yeah. I definitely think that like, it's some sect of fug. Cause maybe, maybe they have it caught in their head. Like maybe this one sect of fuck has it caught in their head that like Rachel can get, you know, or, or or rather, like, can accomplish Arlene's dream more than Bomb. And so, like, in a weird way, there's, like, a group of elders, or maybe even, like, it's just, like, a handful or, like, two, like, are pitting Bomb and Rachel against each other to see, like, who's the true mm-hmm. uh, um, child of Arlene, right? Like, or who, who has the right to her legacy, so to speak. Um, so maybe this is, you know, the one that's on Rachel's side, you know, the one that's using Rachel, mm-hmm. Um I don't know. That's all I got, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Not too much to add there. I, I do believe, though, that this person, at least my theory, is rather than using Rachel as a, okay, who's more worthy, Rachel or Bomb, I do think that being that they refer to her as a pawn, I think, if anything, she is used to lead Bomb along up the tower to maybe test him, do oh, something okay. of that like nature. Like, like they're not like... Rachel, you're going to be our next successor. Yeah, but they're like yeah. Rachel, like you're, we're going to use you to help bomb. Sure, it. yeah. Okay. She might think that she's going to be this big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that it's interesting because when we had this discussion uh, two weeks ago or whatever, and we were discussing does Rachel, you know, get a power up and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, this it, it. I guess it's like this is added insurance by them to be like, okay, we need Rachel to keep climbing. Mm-hmm, they're literally sure, pushing sure. her along. So it's like, you know, yeah, yeah. we need to give her X thing in order to push her along because mm-hmm. we need her to keep doing what she's supposed to do. Right. So really mm-hmm. her her fun stops when they cut it type thing, gotcha. uh, unless she somehow awakens some like ridiculous thing that she's able to use <laughs> on her own. But I don't know, yeah. Gavin, it looks like you're no, chomping at the bit It's here. weird because like the thoughts I've always had is I feel like her as a character has always been dynamic in that her original purpose might have been, you know, when she pushed Bam off initially. And that was like to really separate and maybe put Bam in a dark place to where Fug can utilize it and like curtail his emotions and to do whatever like bend him to his whim mm-hmm. but bam was so steadfast and you know then getting to rachel after that and obviously fug being a part of his training knows this is bam intentions so with that they know where rachel's existence is still in the tower you know trying to climb the tower so they were then able like although that maybe wasn't her original purpose seeing bam's you know personality after what had happened they realized oh we can still utilize rachel in this nature and because Bam is working on his own intuition, in a sense, they have to figure out a way to keep on pushing him along and doing Fug's deeds. Who better else is it to get the one person that Bam is still following after and, you know, really has is like the thorn in the back of his side. So that's why I really like and I hope that's kind of the fluid shift that they made. Um, and, yeah, it would be interesting. But um, that's how I always feel it's been with her. And mm. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, to answer the question, though, I, I could definitely see somebody from Fug, uh, like an elder, someone mm. on that level. Hansung at first, I was like, well, that's ridiculous. But, like, literally it could be. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. But, uh, yeah, I think somebody in Fug and and or someone that's 10 great family level that maybe is in cahoots with him. Uh, could- oh, what if there's, like, 
what if one of the elders of Fug is, is like, a Ten Grey family member? Yeah, or like you know what I mean, like like secret, like double agent. You know, he's like in the Ten Grey families, but it's like I'm really Fug, nigga. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like but they don't know. Also behind John. Yeah, yeah, because like yeah. well, because I feel like Han Sung, Haryun, and Jin Sung are like Fug, but they're like. The, the next generation of Fug, you know, mm-hmm. like there's the elders and then whoever, and then there's them where they're like, yeah, we we want what Fug wants, but like not the way the elders want to do it. Like they're a little bit too, you know, traditional or, or whatever you want to call it. Like we, you know, we're going to do, you know, the things our way, or we're going to get mm-hmm. this done how we want on our watch. Plus we have Bam. So, you know, um, but I, I guess that's why I think it's like, it's got to be an elder. Cause, cause I don't think Jin Sung, um, and you know uh, Han Sung and like I don't I honestly don't think they would align with Gustang. I think he's a little too much of a shady character even for them to be like I don't know that like you'd be working with us much as you were just trying to like get one up on us. It's heat on. He's talking to heat on. Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> heat it. on his John. All right. <laughs> yeah, heat on his John. All right. Anyway, moving on to the next question by the Fire Potato. Thank you, Fire Potato. Says, who do you think Wang Nan's mom was? What did she mean by the seed of the king? And what do you think about how Wang Nan and Karaka are related? Are they actually biologically related, situationally? That was five questions in one, actually, <laughs> and not a question. So <laughs> we'll give it to you this time, Fire Potato, but don't push your luck. No, I'm just playing. No, um, who do you think Wang Nan's mom was? I don't know. <laughs> Jahad's wife. <laughs> some chick Jahad was doing the dirty with, I guess. Like some Zeus-level thing where he just got bored and, you know, he's like, I don't know. My blood kills people and stuff, but like I'm kind of getting bored and lonely up here. And Arlene denied my ass, you know, multiple <laughs> times. So I'm gonna go just wreak havoc I'm on these check women. Tog Tinder, <laughs> <laughs> something. And she just um, life or right, whatever. Yeah, is. I don't know. There could be some weird scenario where I know it's funny, but I did say I'm like, hey, his mom looks like Viol. It could be like literally she's Arlene, like some crazy thing, but like he was the child of prophecy, some weird shit, but I think I'm just going down a rabbit hole at that point. I will be honest. I don't think I have nearly enough information yet um, to know. It would either be that scenario or the flip scenario where he is, he is Jihad. You know, it was someone who hooked up with Jihad or whatever. And then that person that was like, if anyone asks for this ring, contact me first. And that's someone yeah. that works for Jihad or the, or that could be the flip where it's like, that's a, that's a fug person. But I don't know. Yeah. I personally don't think we, I have enough information yet to make a solid guess. What does she mean by the seed of the king? <laughs> well, well, <laughs> let me tell you about the birds and the bees real quick. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know when a man and a woman love each other very much and they do the dirty. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's what I think it is. Um, and what do you think about how Wang Nan and Karaka are related? Are they actually biologically related situationally? Uh, if they are biologically related, Karaka didn't recognize him as that, which is interesting because Karaka was like my brother, you know, when, um, Bam or Bomb brought that up earlier. Uh-huh. So you'd think if he had, if he knew what his brother, if either, either he doesn't know what his brother looks like or that's not, or, or he, um, you know, that's not his biological brother at that point. So I don't know. I, I, the fact that he didn't immediately recognize him makes me think it's a, it's a little less so that he could be. But again, it could have been just be like, okay, the person with the ring is my brother, you know, like right, type right. thing. Yeah, yeah. So it could be. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in the dark with a lot of this question, to be honest. It's, I mean, it's all hypotheticals, but it's what we do here. Anybody else got anything? Yeah. So I'm actually not too far off from, um, from your answers. Uh, who do I think Wang Nan's mom was? I do think that she's a woman that Jihad tried to either 
either have a relationship with, but I actually mostly think it, it was just to get an heir out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Jihad's blood kills people, <laughs> or, you know, unless you're you're strong enough to, to take it, um, that's that was the sickness. Like, that's why she died. Like, that's what ended up killing her. Mm. Um, and that Wang Nan, in a sense, is like a failed experiment, at least to Jihad, right? He's something that, like, you know, he, I, I think he might have even considered that, like, because the the mom or the, the woman couldn't handle his blood, he's like, I don't even want whatever child, like, comes out of that. Mm. So, like, cast them down to whatever floor they were on, uh, the red light district. Yeah. And I think that's why... Like that was, I think that's why that was what was in her head the whole time is because she probably lived either, I don't know about like with Jihad necessarily, but like, you know, probably got it in her head that like she could be in a relationship with King Jihad if she could just do this. And her failing to do so is like what sort of mentally scarred her Mm. for all her time now in the red light. All she's concerned is like, oh, well, if I can prove him wrong, if I can raise this kid to be the next prince. Um, I, I think they're, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I, I think their worth is defined like, or at least my prediction is that her worth was defined to right. her by how successful she could be yeah. with doing that. And why not? It reminds me if anyone's watched Baki or is familiar with it. That's literally the whole premise is that, uh, Yujiro Hanma, like the ultimate dick of the show, <laughs> but it's just yeah, ridiculously yeah. powerful. Basically, like he doesn't care about any of the women that he he is with sure. romantically or anything like that at all. He's just like raise me a child that will be as good as me, mm-hmm. and so like somebody's worthy yeah, yeah, of yeah. it. And if you don't, you're trash. You're or trash anyway. But maybe, like you know, I don't even know because like so the only reason so I think it's a little bit tweaked again in the sense that I don't know if like Jihad was looking for an heir because he doesn't strike me as the kind of nigga who's like. Oh man, like let me get a son to like teach how to know. He's like, no, yeah, true, mine. true, 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 true. Yeah. So I actually think that like maybe it's because she got pregnant. That true, he was like, oh true. no, nope, get rid of both all of that. Like mm-hmm. I don't want that. So again, cast it, and then again, I think if you think about it from the that woman's perspective of like, oh no, but if I can just show him how great sure. this kid could be, mm. um, he'll change his mind. He'll take us both back, or maybe like just me back. And I think that's what sort of built, you know, and so in that sense, yes, I do think him being referred to as the seed of the king is very literal. I sure, think sure. Actual Jihad's DNA. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about Wang Nan and Crocker being related? I do think that they are not biologically related because I think this was not the first time that Jihad tried to scratch his itch, so to speak. Mm. And I think that Karaka and Wang Nan are both examples of that. But those rings, again, are proof that, like, they have legitimate claim to the throne of being the king. So, like... Karaka saying, oh, my brother's alive because he knows that there's another ring. Again, he doesn't know what this person looks like, but he was told that he only, there's only one other person that has a ring. That person, like, so I think brother is, like, a situational thing. It's not like we're actually related, but it's like, you're my brother. You are akin of the king, and you have, you know, we're, I don't know, about around the same age. I don't know how fucking old anybody is, but, like, you know, we're around the same level of existence, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we both have the same amount of claim to the throne. Sure. So I think it's, it's a brother as it almost like a rival thing, you know, sure. it's like a challenger. It could be. Um, a, so yeah. Cam, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I actually share a lot of those thoughts. Um, the really, the only thing I have to add mostly would be, I guess a thought on the seat of the King. Um, and I'm trying to think, cause like, obviously you can take it in the literal sense where it's, you know, the seat of the King, but I'm trying, I don't know. I'm trying to like really sit here and think of like, other hidden potential meanings that it could have of mm. sorts or, um, you know, anything under the sun in that matter. And the only thing that I can really think of, which kind of plays to his character, is, like, 
taking the word seed in a literal sense where you know it's a speck or what have you mm-hmm. that really is nothing until it is put under all the right conditions to where it could flourish into something. Mm-hmm. And I could see that in Wang, Wang Nan's character. And I think it's more like symbolic in that sense where like he is the literal seed and you see it with the caretaker was like, oh, I wasn't able to, you know, raise a king. I wasn't able to grow the seed. And, you know, he was never able to be put under the conditions to where there's maybe an inner power within him that was able to flourish because right now he really doesn't have anything special, you know, by any stretch of the term, you know, apparent to him in terms of power. So maybe there's something that he needs that either a jihad or something there, there was something that he physically needs to attain, whether it's like an injection through the body or this like, like metaphysical being or whatever, that once it, you know, meets a certain condition that is able to fuse with him of some sorts, that is what is able to get the gears turning in terms of bringing out his dormant power. So I guess I'm thinking it more in like that, like realm where it's yeah. like he's the literal seed and until he's like put in the dirt and you know given water he is not going to be able to physically grow and i'm wondering what circumstances are going to need to be led to that point until he does mm. so yes that's interesting stuff yeah, yeah. Very interesting. i totally see something like that but anyway want to hit us up yeah. with the next one so next question is from <laughs> just sarah she says uh, it's stated that your sworn enemy is whatever you fear most Taking this into account, what do you think the sworn enemies are of Kuhn and Dorsey and everyone else? Everyone else is a lot of people and kind of vague. <laughs> so let's just chalk it up to who do we think the enemies are of Kuhn and Dorsey and, I don't know, pick another character <laughs> that's there. Okay, got um, anything? Yeah, so Kuhn, uh, like I said in the reaction, I do think it's somebody from his family. Um, I, I think that the being cast out of his family is actually a much bigger deal was a much bigger deal to him psychologically than obviously he would let on. Um, so I think it's somebody either a, like a mom or like maybe, you know, one of the, um, like somebody who was legitimately from the family that Mm. he might have hurt and or offended Mm -hmm. by betraying them when he did betray his family or Maria, the woman who he now helped or who he helped ascend, uh, to the throne but is has now been like told or you know led to believe like whatever that uh, she's in cahoots with or you know was in cahoots with the uh, the Lopobia sisters sure um, and and presumably is still to, and is up to you know no good shenanigans um, so I definitely think that because I I'm I would be surprised if ever since he learned that fact like that that wouldn't isn't something that's on his mind and we do know that again mm-hmm. the sworn enemy thing like draws from your past and from your conscience mm-hmm. um so uh, if, at least for coon i think that's definitely what it is uh in dorsey i think uh i think it a could be maybe one of the other princesses that she had to like beat out in a competition to like t- for her to become princess like maybe she was squared up against like maybe it was like you know the final you know uh round you know the final pick or whatever mm. um and it was like her between her and somebody else and yeah. maybe that other princess um i don't know because she her past is you know again actually what th- i was thinking about this when we were reading uh today because there's a fair amount of the characters in the main cast whose backstories we don't really have a whole lot on no dorsey being one of them uh so i mean like we know we know of her origin so to speak but like sure. her backstory in terms of people she knows people she's interacted with uh either in or not in the tower before meeting up with the main cast we don't really know so I could also see we did one of the other things that's a mystery about her is her real name. We know Dorsey's not her actual real name, um, you know, from the whole name hunt thing. So I wonder if maybe her sworn enemy would be whoever gave her her real name or whoever gave her the name Dorsey. Mm. You know, that's interesting, Gavin. What do you think? Or I'm sorry, unless you had anyone else. Um, 
I'll think about the last one. You okay, <laughs> go for it. Um, yeah, Coon's a weird one. I, I definitely am in the mindset of you where it might be somebody from his family. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to think of, like, the real, like, stipulations on what, like, and so, like, we see Rack, for example. His is, like, a big sea monster who, like, literally is his enemy because it's just a pure tank. So, you know, Which Rack, he's not even actually scared of. <laughs> exactly. But, like, you know, it's, it's like, the direct counter to Rack. You know, he's very aggressive. I'm just going to go stab it, and, you know, you give him a brick steel eel that just can't take any damage. And, yeah. you know, that, that's just, like, a natural enemy. So, I and then you see Bam, who's, like, another, like, physical representation of himself in the past, and it's, like, you get that more emotional versus, like, a physical enemy. So I'm trying to think of something like Kuhn where an emotional enemy would probably be more of, like, a something that he would fear the most um, because I feel like Kuhn, Kuhn's just mental stability in general can be very rickety depending on the situation that happens. I don't think it would be something as physical as, say, like another like masterful tactician to where no matter what Kuhn could devise, he's just always going to be able to be countered. And it might be like that in a sense, but in, through a family member, but I feel like it might not be something as physical in terms of just a mental um, like hurdle. Um, in a weird way, I can see almost Endorsey in the same footprint as, like, Iraq, you know, because it's, almost, like, that personality is just very, like, I'm out there, I'm going to go for it. Like, does she need that personality uh, barrier? You know, is that something that she really fears a lot? And it's hard because she is a very strong person, and, you know, there are definitely times where she's thrown off her A-game a if she's not mentally there. But I'm just wondering what SIU would take over, um, like what would take president? Like, is he worried? Is is he worried as much as her mental development in terms of you know finding an enemy that would then help her learn from and move forward to, or is it more something physical that Endorsey needs to you know come into contact with to really put her into place and teach her the lesson to hey you're not you know you're not hot shit. You, you're going to reach people who are better than you, and you need to know that and stop putting people in danger, which is also a problem that we've seen in the past that she's unable to really overcome. So mm. both of those situations I can see in terms of, like, being, you know, being a sworn enemy. And I think it might go, like, Coon similar to Bam, you know, more mental route, where Endorsey might be, like, a more physical, like, I'm a put-you-in-place sort of route. Yeah. Um, who these people are, I don't know. But, um, yeah, interesting. Okay. I guess that's my interesting thought. thoughts, yeah. Uh, so I, I have a third angle of attack on this one because I don't necessarily know what the physical manifestation of whatever these things would be. I do think that Kuhn, again, I don't know why. It's also in my head. I have a feeling it's somebody from his family. I think it's because, like, to be honest, those are the only people that really affected Kuhn yeah. before meeting yeah, Bosak. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, he yeah. wouldn't be thinking about anybody else, really. Weirdly. Exactly. But attacking this from a slightly different angle, I think that... What's interesting to me will be the fact that I feel like the, the fear is also correlated to some of these characters' biggest character flaws. And sure. that those are the things that they'll really have to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. And Bomb would be a fantastic example of that with Viol being that thorn in his side and being that thing that he wants to discard, right? So the fear might not necessarily, which, you know, we've, we've hit on, but I think that Kuhn, one of his biggest things, um, has been... Tr trust issues, right? The fact that he, at least from, you know, season one, and maybe I'm thinking far, way too far back here, but he's apparently had a weakness when it comes to being indecisive in those moments because he can't trust anyone but his own intuition, right? Mm -hmm. So coming to grips with, the, with that, right, opening up, in a sense, to anyone and letting them in, right, would be something. Now, you could argue that he's kind of done that with Bomb, 
Um, so fair enough there. Maybe that's not exactly what it is, but I would assume it has something to do with that in some way, shape, or form. Some some manifestation of a, of a character that's basically really pulling his bad character flaws out and showing them to him face value. And I guess that's the one to me that pops up. And I guess the other thing would be maybe his search for meaning in some way, shape or form like that, what he does that he might not be able to find some sort of meaning afterwards due to the conversation he had with Evan, but I am just pulling at straws there. But anyway, and then in Dorsey, I actually think her thing. So at first I was going to say is that she, needs to come to terms with humility. But I actually think throughout the confines of the story so far, she actually has got a bit of humble pie with the introduction of Yuri <laughs> uh, and, and, and bomb straight up ignoring her a lot of times. Um, you know, when she's trying to show and open up to him, which was something that she struggled with early in the show, in the, in the story. Um, so I actually think in Dorsey's big thing now, and again, pulling at straws here, I think she has a fear of not being loved, actually. I think that she longs for somebody to care about her and maybe, dare I don't want to say baby, maybe baby her is the wrong term, but like actually care for her in that overwhelming love sense, right? I feel like she longs for that in the sense that in her past, the little bit that we do get from it, she has to kill off the people that she was, uh, you know, with in this testing area, her family clearly is using her in the sense to elevate their status through making her a princess because it's, it, let's be honest, she didn't, she didn't get to eat if she didn't get to, you know, if she didn't kill those other people or do better than them, right? So I don't think that her family, unfortunately, has a great care for Dorsey as a person. I feel like she was a lot of loved love was uh, withheld from her. And I do feel that she gets frustrated now with the fact that Bomb is so keen on Rachel's well-being rather than hers. And when she's trying to be like, hey, Bomb, you're going to, like, come with me. Like, do this thing. That's her way of showing, like, you know, that she cares. But it's, like, it's coming off in the wrong way. And she's, like, confused as to why he doesn't reciprocate said feelings. But he does reciprocate those feelings. Or rather, he does have those feelings towards someone who Dorsey deems completely unworthy of having those feelings feelings shown towards them. So that's my uh, two cents on in Dorsey. And I don't know do what you, that manifests itself as. But oh, okay. Well, is I, that what your question was? I, I, think, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it is um, some ber- version of bomb, weirdly enough, right? Because they, they, you know, because like for the reasons I've stated, she clearly likes bomb uh, in that sense. So like the, re- the bomb and rejecting her in some weird sense, I do feel like it would be a little weird to have three bombs running around between Viol bomb and then another <laughs> Everybody's bomb. Worst enemy's bomb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I doubt, I <laughs> Wait, doubt what it. The other weird twist was Coon's worst enemy was bam, not working with Coon and also not loving Coon. And <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, it's like a million Everybody bombs. Just yeah, yeah. Love. <laughs> so I, I do, I doubt it's bam or bomb for that reason specifically is that yeah. we have too many bombs running around. Although I could see that as, you you know, a potential, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. or it could be someone like her, her parents or the people that set her up for this, or I don't know if it has to take, yeah, you know, that's why I, I thought it was somebody like her parents, because somebody who was so willing to cast her maybe original name aside mm. in, you know, in uh, giving her a name like Endorsey, Princess of Jihad, um, you know, 
probably didn't get a lot of love out sure. of that whole situation. So, because yeah. I do think that's an interesting tie-in, like we see with Rack. Like, Rack's whole thing is he's not physically scared of this thing, but I do think one of Rack's biggest fears is an opponent that he just can't beat that's so overwhelmingly powerful yeah, that yeah. no matter how hard he tries, he And, can't and one of his biggest character flaws that because he's so damn hard-headed and right. fearless, which is great in most scenarios, is not great in the scenario where no matter what you throw at this thing, it's just going to beat you every time. Right, so taking yeah, yeah, a different yeah. approach might be your best but Yeah, scenario. so I could see that with Endorsey where it's like, her because her biggest fear is love, like whoever the person is that taught her that in a weird way that like, or, or, you know, that gave her this inclination that like she doesn't deserve love. Yeah. So maybe a parent, maybe the people who whoever is that like comes to people to like pick princess uh, candidates. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, that's why I think Maria is a strong candidate for Kuhn because that was, that was the thing that gave Kuhn trust issues, that whole debacle with Maria and his family. Yeah. Once that happened, he was like, Oh, all right, cool. I can't, Shouldn't trust anybody. No, for so sure. Like, yeah. I, I think the only other, I was just thinking of it now, the only other the only other one that I could think of for in Dorsey or one of the big standout ones, if it's not the withholding of love, which I do strongly believe it's something along those lines, is fear of her destiny or fear of, oh, of like the de fate. or preconceived destiny and fate, uh, being that she does clearly like bomb and it keeps on getting drilled into her by Garum company that it's like you're going to have to make a choice and being that her family's propped her up to be this princess she has all this riding on her she's kind of lived in that lifestyle for a while until bomb comes around and rocks her world in that sense that now she's struggles with the idea of fulfilling that destiny if that's the destiny that she wants to fulfill and she has a fear of that but that well that's that actually right. was coursing through my mind and the the, all, all, the thought of that also came into like maybe a Knox mom in a weird sense you know because Ooh, like obviously there's a big physical distinction where she would be able to tell that's a Knox and, you know, yeah. in a sense, that's okay. like a failed version of like a not and like what she yeah. aspires to be in a sense. I mean, fail I take think, it lightly, but like, you know, I don't think there's any stipulation on like what version of this person could manifest. Sure. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, A, what if it's a version of a knock who like is a full princess um, or what again, sort of going back to my theory of like the maybe, you know, one of the last few people that Endorsey had to beat out to become a princess. What if it's a version of that person as a fully fledged realized princess mm. which again is like a weird version of looking in the mirror for her if she decides to continue going down the path of being a princess because she would have to end up probably much similar like that person so yeah, yeah. that could be interesting damn it's a, it's a weird scenario the yeah. only thing that deter all right i promise i'll shut up after this but the only thing that deters me to rebuttal my own thought is the conversation that she has with garum and when she's like, I want to see how you have to live, being that you are one of these shoes that have been off the display case. Yeah. And she doesn't seem to be too shook by that lifestyle in that conversation. So that's the only thing that kind of rocks my theory, in my own theory in my head, is that maybe she doesn't find too much fear in the potential that she doesn't go the princess I route. Like, so I don't know. I feel like Endorsey's the kind of chick who like, if she is upset about not, it. She's yeah, not going to tell yeah, you. Course, so like, yeah. and I think that's why Garen brought it up because she's like, yeah. ah, you're not going to say anything, but I can tell you're like a little like you're thinking about this. <laughs> that's true. So like, just just keep Very this in true. mind. Yeah, yeah. Dorsey's the perfect example of someone who exerts an overwhelming amount of a certain character trait in order to hide other ones, the which there are plenty ones. of people like that in this world that do that. So always sure. realize that when somebody is overwhelming in one area, they're probably compensating or hiding something else. But anyway, it's little life lessons. Yeah, I'm just saying <laughs> it's really a lot of times it's true. But anyway, moving on, Gavin, because we could do this question all day. I also think it's funny. I'm sorry, by the way, that the fire potato and just Sarah got two questions back to back because you guys, you guys are the, uh, 
fire starters in the Discord. They're always every time somebody comes to the Discord. The pod. Yeah, the fire potato says, uh, "Oh, so and so, welcome to Discord and avoid Sarah or whatever." And then like that's their her opening line, and those two are always wreaking havoc. So. <laughs> no, I like the meme where it was uh, just Sarah is the sworn enemy of our Discord. Nah, we love you, Sarah. It's okay. You're loved. Um, maybe, uh, but now I'll see four. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, four. We have Vladimir. Considering that Bam's sworn enemy is himself from the Fug days, what do you think this tells us of Bam's character development? Does he resent himself for acting the way he did as Viol? Good. 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 Good question. So. Um, it's weird because Bam, Bam has definitely come away from Viol. Um, and at, in a weird sense, I kind of want to tackle the resentment first. Um, I don't know why, but it kind of became clear or at least possibly clear. I don't know in terms of, you know, seeing his sworn enemy being himself as Viol. And, you know, obviously it caught him off the bat at first, but it was interesting to me how, you know, we were talking, it was almost like the Naruto waterfall, like waterfall scene. And it was like, for that, it is like the actual fear of oneself. I didn't really get that with Viol. It almost seemed like he was very accepting of himself mm-hmm. and actually was almost considerate of it. He was like, even if it's my former self, I don't want to kill it. You know, like I like, that's not my goal. It's to change that. And like, it really seems like he is trying to take the steps forwards of changing it and almost does accept his past in a sense. I don't know if that's just blinded by, you know, a guise of Rachel like that. Maybe he's bringing it down. I don't know. But for me, I feel like he's not proud of him. He's not proud of his past, but he does recognize what has happened and, you know, is trying to lay it to bed and is doing his best. But, like, I don't think he necessarily hates himself for the things that he has done. It's more of, like, a general understanding. That was my takeaway from it. I don't know if you guys disagree or not, but it's hard because I haven't seen anything to where he's, like, you know, that self-loathing. Yeah, so this was interesting, and I'm not going to lie. I kind of am cheating on this question because, full disclosure, we just recorded our blog post discussion before this. And SIO, SIO, SIU, it's a... 10 at night, bear with me. SIU makes a brief mention of this and he refers to it more as like, he he says something along the lines, paraphrasing here, that this isn't going to be some like head to head, you know, character transfiguration type thing. It's really going, going to be a thorn in his side, I believe was the words he used. So judging off that knowledge, being that it's coming from the horse's mouth, um, I don't know if he necessarily resents that part of himself where he's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is worse. Now, to be fair, they do say it's your worst fear. So, I mean, I think maybe he fears becoming that at mm-hmm. some point again, and he definitely is not fond of that part in his, mm-hmm. of his past. But I don't think it's a, it's a matter of, of hating it per se, because then again, he would probably try and kill it or, or, you know, detain it like way worse than he did rather than save it. So I think it's just like this whole, you know, like, I, I'm not living the past, bro. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're doing your thing. Like sit down, you're drunk. I'm just going to, you know, if you, if you let me, 2021. Yeah. If (laughs) if I'm going to listen, you got to hear me out. Like this, that, and the third, like you're me, bro. Like we've gotten, we've got past this. Like this is, it's all good, you know, but I don't know. What do you think? Um, I actually do think that it is more along the lines of what the question are, is saying where it's like, I do think there's a part of, uh, Bam that does resent, his time as Viol and resents that part of his life because I think, you know, there's a lot of scenes that I remember from the early season two of him as Viol that were like just so sad because they were part, there were moments where he was like, yeah, this has to be my life forever. Like, so be it. I'm done being happy. Mm -hmm. And it was like, ah, (laughs) like it was like that kind of shit where like he was literally thinking about having to cast away his feelings forever. If he just had, if it meant 
having being Viol. And so what I think I what I think the whole like him saving uh the Viol instead of uh wanting to kill it, A, I don't think that's in Bam's character. I think even if he met uh this a version of him or a person that was like him or whatever that he didn't like sure, his yeah. instinct wouldn't be to kill it to get rid of it sure. um because i think he sees so i think the 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 misconception here is that he sees this uh other this data as another human as another person and bam's okay. just not willing to kill another person regardless who it is um at, you know because that's the han sung makes that a you know he mentions that briefly in the chapters he's like oh this actually might be kind of tough for him because he thinks that's like a real person. Like he doesn't know that like that's just data basically. True. Um, so I think that's one of his hangups as far as why he's trying to save him. But I do think that it's not so much like to, for this to be considered Bam's worst fear. I don't think it's so much, it has to be something where like you mention it and Bam's like, ah, oh, God, because I actually <laughs> think to be honest, if you ask people what their their true worst fear is, like most people wouldn't even tell you the first time you ask. Like I think it's it, it's something so deep seated and it's something so they might not even be able to tell you if that, they that, wanted to. Yeah, so, well, that's yeah. that's what I'm getting to is that like a lot of like you know we talked about the last question with Kuhn and Dorsey. People's like deepest fear is probably something that like they have not even come to terms with themselves. Mm. I don't even think Bomb has had a real moment, and I think this is reflected in the the name hunt arc where he has to like become Viola again sure. for a brief moment. Um, you know, I don't know what it, maybe I'm picking out like into context, but like his whole demeanor in that portion of it, what like echoes when he was actually Viol. He seems very like, like depressed for lack of a better term. And like, I think he was like, all right, whatever. I have to do this to get this job done. It, it can only be done by Viol. Everybody's saying that like, that's what has to happen. Mm. So whatever, I'll do it. I'll put on the wig. I'll just be Viol. <laughs> I'll put but on like, the wig. Again, that's, that's different than like sitting down in a mirror and being like, Bam, let's talk about your time as Viola. Like, mm. did you like that? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's different asking people to tell you what they're afraid of versus have them talk about, like, have them come to terms sure, with it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what, like, I'm going to love so much about this arc. And what's going to be so interesting is, like, we're not talking about the shit that's, like, what do you not like about, like, other people or, or what's something about the, like, no. What is it about yourself that terrifies you so much that, like, you don't even want to talk about it? You might not even know what it is. And, like, I think that's what... I think that's why he resent he resents that part of, of him because that part of his life represents everything that Baham as a person doesn't like. He was being forced to do things he didn't want to do. He was forced to hurt people he probably didn't want to hurt. He was told, you know, at the time that he could never see his friends again. And like it was all in quest of like, you are the god, you are the the slayer who's going to kill jihad. And Baham doesn't want any. He doesn't want to do any of that. And like so Viol is this this you know, and I think this data version of Iole is sort of like, again, the completed version of Iole, what he could have turned out had the whole workshop battle not happened. But I, I do think there is a part of him that, like, is going to, I think when SIU in the blog post refers to that whole, like, this this is going to be a thorn in Bomb's side during this arc is because this isn't going to be something he can just beat with a thorn and, and, like, and shrug away. It's going to be a thorn in his side because this is a problem that until he, like, stops and faces this thing head on and is like, look... I don't like you, but like you are a part of me as much as I hate this. You, you were me. We, we like, you were a moment of my life and I can't, I can't look away at that. I can't not talk about that. I can't not like come to terms with it. Um, I think that's what he resents about it. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have a rebuttal? No, it's weird. Cause I think of resentment when it's like, you're really sitting back and you're beating yourself up over it a lot. Like you're, you're it's like, I, and you know, he doesn't have to be so forward with it, but I feel like it can come hand in hand when it's like, you don't necessarily have to resent something to not want to become something. And, you know, I I genuinely, that I feel like that's his fear, is just not wanting to be back in that, like, mindless state, in a sense, 
and you don't have like you don't have to resent it to fear it and like fear that power within you and overcoming you like it, it's a it's a weird play and it's really just resent i feel like at the end of the day we're kind of talking about the same thing i just i don't know i don't it's weird we'll, no we'll, we'll i think it's a, i think it's a valid point um and and i could see things in both but i, I do understand yeah. what you're saying and and uh yeah but anyway so let's move on to the next question here thank you for that question vladimir uh so next question number five is by riru Thank you for the question. Uh, for the first time, we get to see Endorsey and Rachel sit down and talk to each other. Endorsey expresses jealousy over Rachel having Bomb's attention, even though Rachel seemingly doesn't want it, while Rachel expresses contempt for Endorsey being jealous when she seemingly has everything that Rachel wishes she had. What do you think about that conversation? Ignoring your preconceived opinions on Endorsey and Rachel and putting aside what they've done in the series so far. Looking at you, Gavin. <laughs> Who do you think? No, I'm just playing. Who do you think was in the? No, seriously. Who do you think was in the right, or do you think that either both, or, or do you think that both of them or neither of them were in the right? Why? Uh, so, good question. And I need to reread some of it because it was long. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, because <laughs> there was like a lot of exposition before the we'll question. Be <laughs> what do I think about the conversation? Uh, I do think I find it interesting, and this is this relates to real life a lot, right? Where it's like. You always think it's like people always compare things to others that they don't even know, or sometimes they do, and they're so narrow uh, visioned on it, and and they just hone in on like one thing that it's like, oh well, you have this, you know, like you you have to be so you have to have it so much easier because you have this thing, and then neglect all the other million things that go on in their life. Like you see it a lot with even with like social media right nowadays, where it's like you look at ex-celebrity or somebody who's very popular on social media or whatever and you're all you like oh man I'd, I'd love that life or it doesn't even have to be something crazy it could be like a close friend of yours it could be someone you haven't seen in a while that you know whatever and it's like oh so and so did this so and so got married so and so has a lot of money whatever and you're always taking these particular things and comparing yourself with them right instead of comparing yourself with where you you were yesterday and how much you've improved on an individual level. And a lot of times when you do that, you tend to block out all the other things that could be potentially happening. That person that you resent for maybe, or are jealous of for having a lot of money and a lavish lifestyle might have a miserable relationship with their significant other, right? They might, all, that be, might be a person that longs for a family and can never have it, et cetera. I could go on with examples, but you get my point. And I do think that in Dorsey and Rachel, are interesting in that scenario because they, they kind of do that. Right. And then Dorsey focuses on all the things that Rachel has that she doesn't putting aside all of the things that she has. Right. She doesn't even think of that while Rachel is like, wait a minute, you know, and does kind of the same thing in a weird sense where she's like, what are you talking about? Like I have all these things, you have this, that, and the third, and I don't have that. So like, why, why are you coming at me? Right. So I do find that interesting. And I, I don't know if there's anyone necessarily in the wrong, right. The things that they purvey in the conversation, you know, aren't wrong per se. It's like, well, in Dorsey, you have power, you have beauty of all this stuff. That's not wrong. Rachel, you have bombs attention. That's not wrong, but maybe they're going about it is in a wrong way, right? The way that they approach it based off the examples I just gave and that they both fall victim to that, especially endorsing the scenario might be the wrong way of looking at it. So, you know, trying to focus on the things that, that you have and what are good is, is a good starting point. But I, I really thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Um, my preconceived notions about them aside, um, 
you know, like I said, you know, who's in the right or in the wrong. I, I don't, I don't really know in, in terms of that, but, or do you think that either both of them are right or wrong? Why? Yeah. Um, those are my thoughts. I guess I just answered the question. I thought there was more to it. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you think? I, so yeah, I, I love the scene actually. Um, like from my biased opinion and not from my biased opinion, um, was one of my, one of the highlights I think of, uh, the set of chapters we read. And I think, yeah, it's a, like jealousy is a very common, a very human uh, emotion to grapple with. I mean, it usually stems from some feeling of inadequacy of something you're not getting or really long for. So like we just said before, when we kind of went in on in Dorsey, one of the things that like I think in Dorsey does struggle with is like this feeling of opening, of opening up, opening up and being vulnerable because she wants love, but she's afraid that if she opens up and, and makes herself the kind of vulnerable you have to be to be loved, um, she could get hurt by it and it might get hurt to a point where she can't recover. So seeing Bomb so like willingly throwing himself after Rachel, um, like she wants that. She wants that attention, but like she's too afraid to open up and, and ask for it. Um, and so again, seeing rate, like, you know, that's where that jealousy, you know, stemming from that inadequacy, she wants love. Whereas on the other hand, Rachel, a girl who's pretty much only obsessed with power would of course be jealous of a princess of Jihad because they are the pinnacle, at least in compared to Jihad himself of power in the tower. She is incredibly beautiful. She's incredibly strong. She can pretty much, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, that's why this is great, right? Other than love, she can pretty much get whatever she wants. Mm. And so it's, it's a very, normal thing to be honest like I, it it that's what like i think is so cool about the conversation is that like it's not something that you wouldn't find in any other story which is like again what's great about it it really humanizes these characters um like you really get a sense of like i mean like rachel we kind of knew this about i mean she's pretty much jealous of anybody with a remote like crazy amount of power more than she has um but again we also have kind of known this about endorsey right anybody that really spends a lot of time with bomb or, or can, can get his attention over her. Um, you know, we see her take these jabs at them or whatever, but like, again, like, you know, you break this down on the human level, like we know why, right. And, and it comes out in this scene. She wants that attention. She wants to feel loved. And especially because she likes bomb seeing him give all like this overt level of attention to not her, um, but you know, not her and arguably one of the worst people to give it to because she's, not only not reciprocating it, but is like doing the literal opposite on the other end mm. of not reciprocating uh, feelings. But I don't think like there's anything right or wrong. Cause again, it's not so much like jealousy is not wrong until you act on it. Right. Jealousy is not jealous. The feeling of jealousy, like I just said, is incredibly common. And in, in like every human, I'm sure at some point in their life has to feel it about something. Um, now, if you kill somebody because you were jealous of them, like, yeah, that's not something you should do. But like, so I, I, it's not wrong. Neither one of them are wrong for thinking the way they're thinking. But like, I guess it's a matter of like how much each of them is willing to give up or sacrifice to get that thing. Because the other thing with jealousy is like, it's all perspective, right? The idea of like the grass is greener on the other side of like, well, sure, Rachel wants power because she in her, in Rachel's life, in her world, she's weak, right? So her getting power would be the literal one, like, you know, boost that she needs but she's like well your life must be perfect then it's like but we know in Dorsey's life isn't perfect she had to literally claw tooth and nail to get to where she is mm. and from it she has such a fractured psyche and, and a, a broken idea and definition of what it means to like bond and connect with people that you know it's going to take a lot for her to recover and properly heal and learn to like adapt so it's like you know yeah it's, you you might want to be in, in Dorsey's position because of her power but like 
you don't get to just pick and choose those things, right? You can't just like, oh, I want Dorsey's power, but I don't want her trauma or her struggle, right? So it's like, you know, it's easy to, I, I guess in a feigning sense, be jealous of, of somebody's one, like you said, they're one, you hone in on that one particular trait. But Dorsey is not just her incredible power as a, as a princess. She has all her traumas and struggles from her childhood and growing up. She has all the, you know, quirky things that make up her personality. Like, she's much more than just the one thing, and so is Rachel. So, like, to hone in on the one aspect, you know, flipping it again for Endorsey, like, you have Bam's attention. Yeah, but, like, that's it. <laughs> she's got, like, Bam's attention and literally nothing else. She is, you know, climbing up this tower, air quotes, you know, tooth and nail every floor, but, like, she doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have any allies. And Dorsey has that. She had this whole, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's easy to, I think, for you to be like, oh, well, you know, again, thinking about it in the reign of jealousy, like, it's not wrong to think that, but like acting on it, because, you know, once you sort of like take a step back and like think about it, like through perspective or the other person's perspective, um, you know. I definitely don't think it's the productive way. I know, you know, wrong and, and not efficient, I guess, are two separate terms, but I, I do think that, you know, while I agree, you know, with what you were saying in the, in the end result, the action is really, really what puts the nail in the coffin. Um, they definitely, to agree with you, they really, they definitely aren't going about it the right way. And like, the, I think their frame of mind being that it's in a frame of jealousy to begin with is definitely not the the good starting point. That's not yeah, where you want like your you starting could, point You could to be. use that as a fuel to like, you know what I mean? Like want to change yourself and get better as a person. So like if Rachel is feeling, you're figuring out that she has, she has feelings of jealousy about Endorsey because of how strong she is. Like, do something yeah, about turn it. Turn that into inspiration. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, Endorsey's so powerful and yeah. this, like, okay, turn that into an inspiration. Or, like, if Endorsey's jealous of Rachel because of her connection with Bomb, like, start talking to Bomb more. Start talking to other people more. Learn to open up. Learn to engage with people and, and create. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, sure. You know, in some cases, like I just said, it's easier said than done. Endorsey doesn't have the best background with that stuff. But my Try. point. <laughs> yeah, my point yeah. is that, like, that jealousy is a fuel because it's like, if you don't try, you will always feel this feeling of jealousy. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. that's my two cents. Any thoughts, Kevin? Honestly, I couldn't. It'd be beating the fuck out of me. <laughs> like, honestly, you guys went so ham, I couldn't. Sorry. Well, you have the next question, I think, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, take it away. All right. So number six, Emperor Dark North says, thoughts on Wang Nan's backstory. What do you think his true motivation is? His true motivation is in climbing the tower. How much does his status as Jihad's prince affect his mindset and his mentality? Um, what are my thoughts on what are my thoughts on his backstory? Just from a literal sense, um, it's sad as fuck. <laughs> Wang Nan's one of my favorite characters, and to see that it was just like it broke my heart. Uh, Wang Nan, it's just like he doesn't. <laughs> Wang Nan is such a you know such one of my favorite characters because he like he doesn't deserve anything. I mean, you know, that's like just so many characters in the story that you could apply that to, but it's like Wang Nan, especially because he's never once, um, you know, and I could heat my words, I guess, cause we haven't finished his story, but like he's never once steeped into the, you know, I guess like the bottom rungs of like the way this tower works yeah. because of his circumstances, right? He's never used his circumstances as an excuse to then step over other people to get it. You know what I mean? And, and I think like that, you know, it just makes it all the more sadder that like somebody, uh, you know, again, from our earlier question, I talked about who we think his mom is. It's just so sad that like that's how somebody viewed him uh, while he was <laughs> growing up and, and while they were raising him. Um, what do you think uh, his true motivation is climbing a tower? How much does his status as Jihad's prince affect his mindset and mentality? Um, I think his true motivation in climbing a tower right now isn't really any different than what his declaration was in the beginning of season two. I do genuinely believe that he wants to like 
get rid of the established or the status quo, and he does wants to be does want to become a new king, and he does want to make a different kind of and a better kind of tower. Um, you know, one and to quote his words, with a wider sky, one where people aren't so divided and subjugated by status and power and all this stuff, um, and one where like people can actually like all just sort of live peacefully. Um, how much does his status as Jihad's prince affect his mindset? I think, like, especially after the conversation with Rachel, um, it probably has affected his mindset a little bit because, like, one thing I think is very telling is that, it, well, two things. One is the, like, sort of dream mental, like, scape thing that happened with him after the workshop battle where when he was resting in bed, he has that vision of, uh, like, going over to Viol and everybody or calling for them and, the, and that thing comes out and it's like, oh, you can't have friends because you're in, <laughs> like, cuts, right, you know, cuts to black. Um, that moment and the moment that where he has this sort of, again, another, like, sort of uh, hallucination-style uh, nightmare uh, in the prison with uh, all the people that, like, he's killed or he's let down indirectly or whatever, um, and then Naya, like, shows up. And, and So I, I think there is something that weighs on his mind that actually coupled with the very, like, strong feelings of sort of, like, uselessness that he's felt lately about, mm -hmm. like, not being able to do enough and not being able to maybe provide as a leader of Sweet and Sour. Um, I do think it weighs on his mind a little bit where he's like, well, people expect more of me. Maybe, uh, like, if, I'm if I am this prince, like, I need to be able to do more. So I think there is this, like, nagging thing in the back of his mind that, like, you know, in a negative sense, uh, to some degree, that's pushing him uh, to do what it is he's doing. Um, but ultimately, you know, again, I, you know, speaking as somebody who hasn't, you know, story hasn't ended, still a long ways to go. But, you know, I'd like to say his mentality is still ultimately pretty untouched in that, like, he is not willing to cross lines, you know, cross lines that, like, you know, uh, he considers uncrossable or isn't willing to go back on his word if it gets him up another floor or if it gets him that extra ounce of power or what have you. Um, you know, I do think at least now, um, you know, he might, so, I don't know, what's interesting is after the whole thing with, with Ark Raptor and, um, and Prince, it's interesting because one of the lines that he has when he makes his sort of declaration about the kind of person he wants to be, uh, to Viol, when Viol asks, why did you forgive Lurker, is he says something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of, like, well, if I were in that position, I'd want someone to forgive me too, because, who knows, before my story's done, like, I might end up doing a lot more worse things than Lurker did. So, part of me does think that there is a part of his mind that is also weighing on the fact that, like, th that is considering the idea that, like, you know, okay, I won't step over this line, but, like, can I get close to it? How close can I get to it? Like, is it not breaking it if I just bend it? Or, you know what I mean? Like, like considering this, this idea of, like, black and white is not the only way to operate up in this tower and in the world... Um, so I don't know. That's, that's sort of my thoughts. So for me, I feel, I feel that, um, his true motivation in climbing the tower is actually finding his self-worth. And I feel like this stems back from Jihad and being the prince affecting his mindset, because I feel like from a, from a very young age and losing his care caretaker, that there's been a very big pressure on him and realizing that pretty much he had no, everything was a farce and you know a facade because he was believed to be this person that he doesn't even feel that he is himself and that so many people has staked so much into him and he doesn't feel that worth and he needs to really figure it out because quite literally he is losing people that he's close to around him and you know at the end of the day if he's somebody who's already held on this pedestal and you know believed to be on this pedestal and he isn't even strong enough to save those around him I feel like in the in the end game it's going to definitely play a mental toll on him and I feel like that was his foreshadowing way back when where it's that 
if he can't figure out what he is himself and what his places in the existence of the tower, even though it's believed to be very high and it can't figure it out. I feel like that might drive him insane in a sense, and it might cause him to almost be willing to step outside of the realms that he wants to in terms of justifying things that have happened to him and people that he's lost. And although I see it kind of outside of his character now, in a weird way, I feel like if he does lose some influential people that are next to him in hand, um, I feel like he could actually take it quite negatively and maybe um, really just internalize it and that can fester into something. Um, I don't think that's outside the realms of any individual person. I think if it really is something that hits home to an extent, it can really change you. And, um, you know, he's already been through a lot and he's expressed his, you know, disdain for the people that he's lost around him. And, you know, Naya or whatever, I actually forgot his name being one of them, you know, it's, he's getting used to it at this point and almost numb to it. But I feel like there's just, there's an extent where he might crack and I'm curious, but I do think his motivation is finding worth. What is his true meaning in life? And, who knows, maybe just being like being Jihad's prince in itself could be something that becomes a tipping point because just in that being that status in society might not even be something that he wants to be and say he gets a power and is almost forced into that role or position that he might not want to be. They're like a, a whole nother, like everything can get flipped on its head in itself. So it's weird. I wonder how much is in his control at the end of the day and, you know, what power he might attain how that affects his position on what who he is believed to be in following this, or if he can pull like a princess of jihad route, where it's like, you know, you can go against the grain of what your like um, uh, of what your fate is supposed to be, quote unquote. But that is again going to bring a big big cost, and it might not be just your life, but the life of others around you. And if he is a prince of jihad, that seems like it's going to bring a pretty big cost, um, especially if he's able to fill that status eventually. So. It's interesting, but we'll we'll have to see moving forward and what happens to him. Hopefully, he makes it out okay. What? Oh, no, <laughs> oh, no. He's like looking at me. He's giving me the look. Oh, no. no. I think he doesn't care. No. <laughs> Ember Dark North. Well, I will not answer the question. Wow. Because I am. Rack Wraith Slayer. I am Rack. Wraith Razor. I will give you Slayer. something better, and that is meme material. I'm going to laugh when nobody uses that. <laughs> <laughs> and when they flame me for not answering the question. Probably. Uh, no, honestly, though, I think you guys kind of did that one to death mm. um, in all the best ways, of course. And there's really not much more I can add on that. I'm really just regurgitating your thoughts just melded yeah. <laughs> between the two of them. Fair enough. Um, Do it. So, no. <laughs> um, so last question actually goes to Gavin here. And I promise I Amen. will answer this one. Okay, so we have by uh, Cynical Aguero. How do you think the workshop factors into the bigger picture of Tower of God since they have always been in the background? Like, since Yurik uh, has that device for separating red uh, Thresha, or now especially since a disciple of the workshop was the one who helped maintain uh, the hidden floor existence with the memory wipe condition. Um, well, it, it's interesting because... With that, with that disciple, I mean, obviously at that point, the workshop, or at least maybe not the physical workshop, but at least the ideas of the workshop and, you know, people who followed it through, go way back. Like, way, 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 way back. And I feel like maybe that it's, well, actually, what was the question? Let me just make sure I have that. 
proper. Uh, the workshop pictures that they have in the background. Yeah, his whole thesis. Was that the right question? Conclusion: yeah. <laughs> Hot dogs are a sandwich. Um, you're not getting the camera picture. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, have you ever seen the the dog witches? It's like a hot dog and a burger, and they're like one. No, and I already in Australia. Now we're immediately <laughs> off topic. Dude, no, they they actually look kind of insane. If you don't know, look it up. I don't remember the name, but it's a literal like Bro, burger with the hot dog. The camera to be the mic is so high up because I'm leaning back that it's like <laughs> it's just blocking my whole face. <laughs> He's like, "What do you think, Ian?" And Ian's like. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> um. So I guess how do I think the workshop factors in the bigger picture? I think that it's almost the entire picture and is what is really the backbone in terms of um being able to have that like it, it's the existence that is being utilized by other people to get what they want. Um. I hate you so much. Why did you do that? You just totally threw up my A game and lost my train of thought. You gotta work under pressure, Rock. Okay. Work under pressure. Yeah, Rock's crack under pressure, dog. I hate to tell you that. Bad analogy. Um I but it was a line you. from the movie Rocky, you uncultured swine. Okay. Wait, I haven't <laughs> seen it, so deal with it. Um Damn, you you. <laughs> got me good. Really All right, you can answer the question, dog. Great. Um, so <laughs> how do you think the workshop factors into the bigger yeah, picture? <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. Oh my God. This um, is cool when it's like, all right, you answer the question. Of course I can. <laughs> oh, now? All right. Well, I'm going to need like, yeah. and as I'm answering the question, the one who doesn't it know it is interrupting me. <laughs> I actually was going to answer it. It plays, it, it obviously plays a big picture. It's, Literally, it seems to be all of their inventions of some sort that have overwhelming amounts of change in the tower all stem from the workshop. So I really don't think there is much beyond that. I think they kind of explain this in full in previous chapters, right? The workshop is a place where crazy stuff is made. This is their job, literally. They experiment on people. They make the most wild weapons you've ever seen. There's some shady stuff going on. It's... The military might, you know, for, for what's going on, not maybe I use that word out of context. It's the military genius, you know, that goes behind some of the weapons that are made. But I, I genuinely do think and this isn't even dodging the question. I really do think that that is the main source, their, their main factor on the bigger picture of the story. And the only factor that could be a factor in the story, <laughs> um, in my personal opinion, I think they're, you know, like maybe somebody, if there's a coup stage, like, or whatever, they have their own things. You know, they were talking about Emily, how it could change the tower, but that's what they do. They make weapons. And if they're going to make a weapon that's powerful enough to, you know, introduce some sort of change, I don't know. That's, that's my opinion. Um, so yeah, I, de I definitely agree that they're like obviously a huge factor. I think they're, they're probably going to be as big of a factor as like spells are in this world going forward okay. in terms of like, these are things, you know, that will be able to give people opportunities that they otherwise might not have had. Sure. Um, you know, the, sp uh, you know, I say small, I guess that's relative, but a smaller instance is the whole red Theresa thing where it's like, Oh fuck, how do we get that out of, um, Red Joe or Red Joe, um, <laughs> Red Hell Joe, Hell Joe uh, in order to, to beat him. And it's like, I got a thing, <laughs> stick at him and it shoots right out. And it's like, okay, cool. That got that problem here on the floor of death solved. But it's like, okay, now let's think bigger picture. How could workshop tools and whatnot be applied to the tower? Jihad is an immortal nigga. He just can't die by normal means, but the workshop tools are not normal means. So what if we could create a tool or a thing that could make jihad, even if it's temporary, mortal again. 
would give more people than just bomb a fighting chance. Cause I actually, I actually personally think that this story, you know, that is not finished. Um, the way that it could wrap up, um, is that, you know, I, I've said this in previous discussions too. And I do believe it, that like, it takes a village to kill a King. Like bomb is not going to be able to go in there and like solo Jihad. Like he's going to need help. And I genuinely don't think anybody else can like stand up to Jihad other than bomb unless Jihad is brought down to the mortal level. Um, so that would be cool because then again, you know, we're talking about big implications here. Like the workshop, one of the things I, I love about like the workshops is that, is that they're the science, they're, they're, they're what science is to the real world, to the tower, right? Like they're the ways that the people in the tower have of messing with the natural flow of things, right? Oh, Weapons are, ignition weapons are supposed to be only on weapons. Just kidding. We're going to take a human being and turn them into an ignition weapon because we're the workshop. That's what we do. It's like the workshop has always been about, even this, the, the, you know, the whole idea with the hidden floor of like developing a system that like literally keeps the hidden floor's existence intact because it erases people's memories. Like, you know, it wipes people's memories. Like that's, the workshops have the ability, you know, have the opportunity to literally, and like, I think that's why Emily is so crazy because Emily is like the best representation of the workshops. The workshops have the ability to literally uproot the way the tower naturally and organically functions. I think that the workshops are going to be one of the biggest factors in this, in this story, because I think they're going to be with us all the way up till end game. They're mm. going to be one of the things that do help us. And if not give us the winning tide, like in this battle with Jihad's empire. Mm. So I have a weird thing. I, I'm not a big fan of the whole, like we're going to have the serum to make a jihad mortal again because I'm I actually really not either but I was okay. just using that like as a, <laughs> as a well like because like here, let's put it this way it could happen and it's like and eh, whatever I'm like I'm not it's not my first option but I just using it to reiterate like yeah. how useful I think workshops could be going forward I agree I actually think there was a shift in the workshops purpose though um and you know obviously they the the disciple of the workshop was the one who helped um the hidden floor's existence which would you know be helping jihad what <laughs> he's no, just like I, it's late now so he's just being like temperamental and mean he's no i'm not <laughs> but either way so yeah, eat a snickers <laughs> oh my god so either way the hidden floor like obviously they were helping jihad at one point and it's interesting because now it looks like the workshop in general at least a lot of the factors that are playing into it seem to be against jihad in terms of facilitating the red therisha and you know every and Again, bam, everything that has happened. So it's interesting how there was a part in time where they were helping Jihad, and maybe there had to be something to do with the initial climb in terms of utilizing power or a mindset from the workshop to get higher in the tower. And then once Jihad, you know, put the put the cork on that screw and was like, we ain't going anymore, underneath there were maybe people of the workshop who didn't want to stop and maybe resented Jihad in that sense. And that is when they started creating other beings like Beta and such or other ideas that could possibly overthrow Jihad in that matter. So I, I do feel like it might be more in-depth, the history of the workshop, and it wasn't always like... I, I feel like it was something facilitated and then through bad blood, maybe now they're trying to get back on it and like trying to get revenge in a sense. So um, I feel like it would be interesting. I don't know. We'll find out. But um, yeah, it's just weird how they helped Jihad at one point, at least the yeah. disciples. Well, because I think like it they really is kind of like the embodiment again, like of science and of invention yeah. and of like through building, creating and like learning things like we could easily surpass the limits of anything that that people are supposed to be able to do in the tower. I actually think even if you take it that far, it's like an interesting parallel to the thematic thing of like fate versus fighting fate in the story where it's like, Oh, everybody 
every regular is like, you're, you know, as a regular, you're fated <coughs> to do this, or this is what you're supposed to do. This is life you're supposed to live. But it's like, you're not going to tell me that the life that Cass Snow and um, Hor Yang have, or that Beta has, that, that wasn't supposed to happen to them, at least by the tower standards. It did because of the workshop's intervention. So I guess that's my point. Again, for better or worse, that all depends on who's involved and what they're trying to do. But the point is, like, it, the workshop existed, like you said, way back it, when helping Jihad, as a way, maybe, if nothing else, to give him a leg up or to give them, you know, a different way or a new opportunity of doing something. But, like, now still exists because they're like, we're not just stopping with Jihad. Like, there's, we could, like, think a little, like, think of the things we could do. You know, I think there's this cool, like, invention, uh, you know, idea behind the workshops where it's like, let's just start building shit and see what happens. Yeah. Good thoughts all around. And to be fair, real quick, Emperor Nar- Dark North, thoughts on Wang Nan's backstory? It was really sad. So, there, to answer your question, I felt bad. <laughs> um, uh, he really said it was sad. Anyway. <laughs> sad. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, though. <laughs> that is our discussion on the questions posed to us by the lovely folks in our Discord. Thank you again to the folks that put forward your questions and not just the folks that got put on this episode. But everyone else who uh, asked a question, and stay tuned because we might talk about said questions in future episodes and discussions. And if not, thank you again for participating. Don't shy away. Ask us every single week after we read. You got an hour after the live streams to go in there and ask away. So thank you for that. And also thank you for watching this video. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you guys are leaving a like on the video. You are subscribing to the channel. If you're new here, hitting that notification bell so you don't miss any future videos or TOG content because there's a lot more where this came from. Comment your thoughts down below. What did you think of our discussion, our answers? What are some of the answers that you might have given uh, to these questions? And what are some things within the confines of these chapters that had a profound impact on you as a reader? But until next time, catch on the flip. Peace. Peace. Later. Ninjas are samurais. Blaze of the cool knives. Find me in the leaf of the cloud. Screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls though. Who likes seeing parts fly?